Hey everyone, welcome to Home Alone and Comfortable as Heck, the podcast that takes a deep dive into canine behavior, building up alone time comfort, and helping improve the welfare of our beloved canine companions. In this podcast, we will discuss real-life tactics for modifying behavior, real alone time case studies, and help guide you through the emotional process of behavior change. So sit back, relax, and get ready to take the next step in your alone time training. Welcome to Home Alone and Comfortable as Heck, the podcast. First off, thank you so much, you guys. Your level of support, feedback after listening to episode one, and the commitment that you clearly have to your dog's ultimate success was beyond heartwarming. I truly appreciate each and every one of you. Uh, That having been said, those of you that are following me on Instagram, and I'll include the link in the show notes, you all know that today is an extra special day as I will be announcing the five lucky podcast followers that now have one unlimited access to my online training platform, Home Alone, Four Phases to Comfort. Before we dive into the exciting stuff and announce the winners, I just wanted to take a few minutes to answer some of the questions that I received um, after posting episode one. So the first question comes from Chantelle, uh, one of my Instagram followers. She had reached out asking about her seven-month-old Belgian Malinois who loses it every time she can't see or reach Chantelle. Uh, Chantelle was hoping for some additional insight into how to work on that and wanted to note that she's not necessarily aiming for all-day alone time quite yet, but just wants to get started with small durations. Well, first off, um, actually, thankfully, Chantelle, this podcast is going to dive, uh, this podcast episode, I should say, is going to dive much deeper into those specifics about how to get started. But long story short, it doesn't necessarily matter too much the age of the dog, the breed of the dog, or the experience of the dog when we're focusing in on building up comfortable loan time in the beginning, because the bottom line and our number one focus is going to be on the level of comfort. So I actually, and you'll find this out as you listen through the rest of this podcast, but I actually don't focus on duration at all in the beginning. What I'm going to focus on first is the level of comfort. And when I see the level of comfort that we need, then we can start increasing our criteria, adding on duration, working on small durations, and then working up towards our ultimate goals. But generally speaking, in the beginning, we're just going to focus on really small little snippets, um, such things as walking to the door, exiting the door, maybe small durations outside of the door, etc. All of that is really going to depend on your specific pup's level of comfort and where she functions the best in regards to overall criteria, duration, etc. So definitely listen to this podcast um, because it will absolutely dive deeper into the specifics of your question. The second question comes from Yuki, a follower on Instagram, and Team Yuki had asked, when is it appropriate, if ever, to use food? And they were also curious about using enclosed spaces like crates, rooms, etc., compared to the full house during training. I'm going to have two separate podcast episodes on both of these topics, so uh, definitely stay tuned for a more in-depth discussion about this. But to briefly touch on this, when it comes to food, a lot of individuals will still eat when they're in a heightened state of stress. So providing food can sometimes act as a little bit of a band-aid and potentially give us a false false positive of comfort. So what I typically do in the beginning 
and we can add food back in later. There's no issue with that. But in the beginning, when we first dive in, it's really helpful to remove the food aspect because then we're able to just view the pup's underlying emotional response without any potential band-aids added on. Therefore, we'll get a much better picture of where we are with training, comfort levels, and how to progress. Again, we can definitely add food back in later, but I will talk more about that on the specific podcast um, that discusses food. And the other question in regards to confinement, etc. So this is going to be a little bit of a general answer because every animal is very much an individual. I have had cases that do use smaller confined areas and build up the alone time comforts, but generally speaking, most of these situations, pups do a lot better in my experience when they have a little bit more space to roam. So by removing the aspect of confinement in some situations, we can start our pet training path a little bit further along, a little bit further advanced when it comes to comfort levels because we're not necessarily adding two stressors at once. First off, the absence of their parents and second off, the potential stressor of the confinement in and of itself. That having been said, I will say I have plenty of cases who have pups that sleep in crates, eat their food in crates, hang out in their crates when mom, dad, whoever is home. It's just the moment that they leave that the panic starts if they're confined. So in these situations, removing confinement, it's not necessarily going to be a fix all per se, but it can definitely help to increase some level of comfort, generally speaking, with a lot of these cases. So I usually will do a couple of different um, threshold assessments to gather insight on which option is the best plan for that pup. But again, I will dive much deeper into confinement, experience, how to figure out the best setup for individual dogs at a later time. So definitely check back for a different episode. All right, and the last question for today comes from Latte. I really hope that I pronounced that right. My apologies if I totally butchered that. Um, But Latte was curious about how to approach a situation with a five-month-old puppy that does not have a clinical diagnosis of separation anxiety, but who is very anxious about being left alone. Her biggest um, questions were in regards to the basics, how to prevent this behavior from escalating, and where to get started with her young puppy. So first and foremost, this is the perfect episode for you uh, because we are going to be diving deeper into all of those specifics that you had asked about, but to address the age question. So just everybody, just everybody knows that we're all on the same page. I use a very similar approach regardless of the age of the pup. With really young puppies or older seniors, we might modify and do an additional level of, um, you know, counter conditioning to certain situations, uh, but that's a whole nother topic in and of itself. But when it comes to the process of gradual exposure, systematic desensitization, that process is going to look very similar regardless of the age of the individual. So I have, just for your interest, I have used this similar protocol on a pup as young as eight weeks old, just as a a quote unquote preventative measure to set the pup up for success. I have used this um, protocol on pups early or as old as, you know, 13, 14, I think, yeah, I think 14 was the oldest case that I took on. So you can continue to work towards alone time comfort regardless of the age of the pup. Just keep in mind that there might be some additional things that we also want to do to kind of supplement our training um, for young puppies that might not have a ton of experience. Um, Now that I think about it, I will probably have a whole entire podcast to puppies specifically. So I'll ping you when that does happen. 
But yes, long story short, gradual exposure, systematic desensitization is going to be beneficial even without a clinical diagnosis. The reason for this is because, again, as I mentioned in episode one, the lack or the the common denominator across um, FOMO frustration, lack of experience, separation anxiety, isolation distress, the common denominator is going to be a lack of comfort. So if we hone in on that level of comfort and start to gradually build up that level of comfort, we are going to be able to naturally decrease the other um, underlying situations that might be impacting the pup's overall comfort levels. So all of that having been said, doesn't matter what age, dive on in. If you're not sure exactly how to approach this specifically, please let me know. And I do have a little bit of a segment about this in Home Alone, Four Phases to Comfort as well. So if you're interested in that, definitely go check it out. Um, But all right, then you guys, let's dive on into the fun stuff. In this first segment of where to start with your home alone training, I'm going to talk a little bit about how to prepare for your first initial threshold assessment, the importance behind it, and kind of what it is that we're even looking for throughout that process. So when I am referring to an initial threshold assessment, it is basically that first little bit of information gathering that we do to kind of get a better feel for where our pup's comfort lies. The important thing about this initial threshold assessment is that we are not intending to push our dogs close to or above what we call threshold into that panic mode. That is not necessary. If you are already here today, you likely understand that your pup is either struggling with alone time or might have some frustration or anxiety um, in in your absence, etc. So we don't necessarily need to go into full-blown panic mode to see what that looks like. So before you actually dive in and do an initial threshold assessment, my number one recommendation is to read up on dog body language. I am going to include a few resources below that are some of my favorites when it comes to breaking down body language, things to look for when it comes to increases in stress, etc. So if you're not 100% certain what body language to look for, what's important, definitely check out those resources below. Once you check out those resources and you have an idea of some of the things to keep an eye out for, um, we're going to want to start to observe your dog's stress levels in day-to-day life. This way you can have some sort of understanding what their individual increases in stress might look like. For example, as you've heard me say time and time again, every single one of our animals are going to be individuals and they're therefore going to respond to certain situations in different ways. Some things to keep an eye out for might include things like changes to tail posture, panting, pacing, drooling, hyper focus on the exit, which might include hard eye or wide eye contact, pinned ears, hackles, lowered head or body posture, lip licks, yawns, and any other shift away from a comfortable position. Once you've done your research and you have a little bit of a better idea of what to look out for for your pup, both in potential stressful situations, as well as what your dog looks like when they're at comfort or baseline level, once you're at that point, you are ready to start preparing for the initial threshold assessment. Some things that a lot of families find helpful are um, internal cameras. So cameras that you can set up in your home that can allow you to observe what your pup is doing when left alone. Um, If you're not ready to invest 
trust in fancy cameras, not an issue at all. Most of us at this day and age, given shelter in place and the pandemic and everything that's been going on, most of us have a Zoom account to say the least. So you can actually use Zoom to observe your pup. And what that would look like is setting up your laptop or iPad or whatever devices you wanted to use, facing the areas in your home that you would like to observe, and then joining that same meeting from your cell phone or another device that you can bring with you. Therefore, what assuming that you actually get out of sight for this, and I'll talk more about that in a second, but assuming you get out of sight for this, you'll be able to have an eye on your pup and observe exactly what it is that they're doing, even though you're absent from the room potentially. So setting up those cameras and places that you think that they might actually hang out. I always like to put a view on where your dog is the most comfortable in the house, which is probably where they're going to start the session, and then where um, heading towards the door your pup might go, especially if you've seen them head to the door when you leave, etc. Having those two views are usually more than enough, but if you only have one camera, feel free to just set it up near the door so you can see what that looks like. Once you have that all set up, the one of the big key things of this is that we want to record the session. We want to record this so that we can go back and we can rewatch and we can take notes and we can start to break down these tiny little shifts to behavior in much more detail. Otherwise, if you're just doing it once, there might be a tiny lowering of the tail or a lip lick or or a yawn or the tail dropping down, etc., that you don't get to observe in real time. Therefore, if you don't have the recording, you might not even know that that was part of the stress escalation ladder. So big proponent of recording this. I will also say that when we're doing these sessions, it is we're, our goal is not to push our dogs into panic, as I already mentioned. We just want to figure out, okay, where does your stress start to increase and what does that look like for you? That having been said, you guys, most of the cases I take on, big chunk of the cases I take on, if I'm being honest, most of these parents can't even get out the front door before their pups start showing a level of stress. If that is you, if your dog start, like, jumps off out of like settled position the moment you stand up in the living room, or if they um, immediately run with you to the door or potentially try to door dart out the door, etc., you've already got a starting point. We cannot have you actually exiting the house if your dog is showing that level of stress that early on. The reason for this is that in my experience, most of these cases, if they are already at a heightened or state of concern or fear or stress or anxiety before you even exit the house, you're setting them up for failure meaning that there's a very small percentage of the cases that I've worked on that are able to follow the to the door in the beginning stages of training and then resettle back to comfort or baseline. Not saying that's not possible down the line. I have plenty of clients who after we have built up to 45 and beyond minutes, the pup can get up and walk around and they'll sniff the door and then they'll leave and they'll go do their own merry thing. So it's not the door itself is not always a negative, but in the beginning it can be the first indicator for us that our pup is climbing up that ladder. Therefore, let's focus our efforts below that point so that we can start to build up the comfort. I know this can all seem really daunting and there's a lot that I'm covering, etc. So if you are 
listening to this and you're already feeling overwhelmed in over your head, I just want to remind you that I do have a really in-depth process broken down into my online training platform. So if you were interested in figuring out more about how to set up, where to place your cameras, what should confinement look like, um, what to actually do on your initial threshold assessment, etc., I highly encourage that you head over to my website and check out Home Alone, Four Phases to Comfort. We cover everything from setting up for training all the way through and through to what to do after you hit your ultimate duration goal and how to continue through and progress um, into the rest of your life. I cover all of that in very much detail. So if you're curious or if you feel stressed out about this, you can absolutely reach out and enroll in that course. Or if you wanted to, you can always reach out to a qualified trainer that can be your second set of eyes while you do this initial threshold assessment. Please just make sure that it's somebody that is very well versed with alone time cases because we really want them to be cognizant of those super small tiny shifts that we're looking for so that they can help set you up for success and make sure that you're seeing those little shifts that you need to see etc all right back into the fun stuff so for your initial threshold assessment assuming that you are able to get out the door and your pup is still chilling doesn't have a care in the world you can start to either stand right outside your door if you are that far removed from the room that they are in that they can't necessarily smell you underneath the threshold or you can start to walk away from the door please keep your eyes on your pup the entire time because all we need to see is when that first stressor happens for every this is going to look different for every dog you guys but in some cases it could be sitting up out of a comfortable position or hopping off the couch or running to the door etc so it's different for each of you but all we need is that first beginning increase in stress to understand where to start with training and then you can go ahead and come on back in so part two, we are going to talk a little bit about analyzing your dog's behavior. So at this point, I highly recommend you go back to some of those resources on dog body language, re-up re on some of that, start to watch your dog's behavior that you recorded, make timestamps on what each of these different shifts to behavior are. For example, if you are halfway to the door and your pup lifts their head, make a note of where you were when they lifted their head. If you open up the door and your pup sits up, um, right that you're opening up the door and your pup sat up maybe your pup stays comfortable as I already mentioned so make note of as when you close the door how long after that door clicks closed does that initial stressor happen once we know where these initial stressors happen we can start to structure our training protocol and I will dive deeper into that in a second Another thing to keep in mind is that when we're working on alone time cases, this isn't a black and white situation. In most situations, our dogs aren't going to go from fully sprawled legs out or legs in the air to all of a sudden immediately into panic mode, over threshold, vocalizing, etc. There's usually multiple little shifts, as I mentioned, that happen between. And I like to call that portion of your dog's stress escalation ladder the gray zone, because again, it looks different for every dog, but it's really important that we're paying attention to those little shifts. As a dog climbs up and inches up their stress escalation ladder through the gray zone over into over threshold or panic mode, there is the likelihood that every little increase in added stress might have the potential to inhibit learning. So my whole process is why focus in the gray zone when they're inching up their ladder if you aren't 100% certain if there is learning being inhibited, if we 
we can focus our efforts on that level of comfort that we're really, really looking for in the long run and then adjust our criteria from there. If your dog is super comfortable in a quote unquote relaxed state close to baseline, they're likely going to be able to take advantage of thinking quote unquote rationally, making new memories and having that behavior change that you ultimately are working to achieve. So my whole thing is our general bulk of training that we're going to do is going to be focusing on way down at the bottom of the stress escalation ladder where that pup is super comfortable every once in a while, sure, by human accidental error or when we're trying to push beyond something and see kind of where that comfort lies. We might go slightly into the gray zone just to kind of see what our pup is comfortable with that day, but by no means are we going to be functioning and staying in the gray zone throughout our training session. Um, I'm going to have an entire podcast episode about this because there are a lot of mistakes that clients are out there are making in regards to training, and most of it does stem from hanging out in that gray zone, uh, what I also call just tolerating the absence versus comfort. So more on that to come. All right, you guys, we are almost done talking about uh, today's topic, and then we will get to the fun stuff of announcing the five uh, lucky winners that are winning an unlimited access to Home Alone, Four Phases to Comfort, which is my online training course. So we'll get to that in just a moment here. But before we do, I just wanted to say, if you're still here and you're still listening and you're still taking notes, yay, thank you to you for being an amazing pet guardian and taking the time to not only digest all of this information, but start to take the time to carefully observe and break down your dog's behavior. This is going to be so incredibly helpful, not just in the alone time category, but for your relationship overall for the many years to come. So I applaud each and every one of you. So now that we know what comfort clearly looks like for our individual dogs, we can start to work on building up that level of comfort. So before you dive into actual training sessions, look back at your notes and remind yourself of exactly where you were or what you were doing when your pup showed their first stressor signal. Once you have a clear definition of what you were doing or where you were at this time, we're going to start to focus our training efforts below that criteria. And this is going to look so different for every single one of you. But for example, if your pup's first stressor took place, um, let's say, for example, the moment that you open up the front door for those next couple of training sessions, we might want to play around with walking halfway to the door, then maybe walking a fourth to the door, all the way to the door, opening the door two inches, just turning the knob, etc., until we start to see the initial stress response no longer happening at that criteria. And that's essentially the format of what we will be doing for the many, many training sessions to come. And again, it's going to look very different for each of your pups. Um, In addition to training sessions that I often recommend about four times a week, um, only once a day for each client when they first dive in. In addition to that, we're also going to be about once a week on average, I would say diving into another threshold assessment. The purpose for this is to find out two things. First off, are we going as fast as we possibly can because understandably so this process does not happen overnight so for our human component I always want to make sure that we're going as fast as we can but one thing in mind that we're not going too fast that we are putting a detriment to our dog's learning process okay so those are the two things that I want to attain by doing another threshold assessment on average about every week Um, and doing this threshold assessment will allow us to you know 
gather a bit more information about where a pup's comfort lies at that point in time, and then we can adjust criteria accordingly for the following week of training, etc. So when it comes to the process of creating training sessions, when to increase criteria, how often to train, when to train, etc., this is a very complex subject and it needs its own entire episode, so we unfortunately won't be able to dive too much more on that front today. However, if you stay tuned in next week, we will dive much deeper into the actual process of creating your training sessions, etc., how to structure your training and all of that fun jazz. So definitely come back next week if you're interested in diving in a little bit more in detail. In the meantime, however, if you're eager to just dive into training, get the ball moving in the right direction, learn more, and get comfortable alone time as quickly as as possible, I highly encourage you to check out my online training platform, Home Alone, Four Phases to Comfort. We dive deep into how to set up for training, determining your training criteria, how often to train, when to train, what to do in terms of activity, what data to track, when to push criteria, etc. So I'll be sure to include a link in the show notes for anyone that is interested in checking out that curriculum. All right, you guys, so we are finally to the exciting portion of the episode in which I will be announcing those five lucky winners that will be receiving unlimited access to my online training platform, Home Alone, Four Phases to Comfort. I will also announce these winners on Instagram as well. And in order to make sure that you're signed up and ready to go, please be sure to send me a direct message, including your email address, as well as the name that I should uh, correspond with your student account. So here we go. So winner number one is Star Dog in the Sky. Winner number two, Shravani dot underscore dot 28. Winner number three, Bivon Adler. Um, and I think I think I pronounced that right. But just in case, it's B as in boy, E-A, V as in Victor, O, N as in Nancy, A, D as in dog, L-E-R, Bivon Adler. Fourth winner is going to be T underscore dog underscore Ted. And last but not least, our fifth winner for today is Beagle.Brothers. So all five of you, I will also release these uh, winner announcements on Instagram as well. But please be sure that when you hear your names or when you see them on Instagram, that you send me a DM, including your email address as well as the name to sign you up for. And then I will go ahead and share access to the course. All right, folks. Well, that about sums it up for today. If today's episode sparked any questions, please send me a DM or tag me on Twitter, and I will be sure to answer your questions on next week's episode. Speaking of next week, as a reminder, we will be taking a deep dive into training structure, so definitely tune in. This is not an episode that you're going to want to miss if you are embarking on your alone time journey. For all the families out there that are currently working on alone time, I want to remind you, take a breath. Trust the process. There is a light at the end of the tunnel. Did today's episode leave you with any lingering questions? I would be more than happy to address them on my next podcast. Please send me any questions or comments pertaining to this episode via Instagram at Training with Allie and or on Twitter at Training with Allie. I'm very much looking forward to hearing from you. All links and information discussed on this podcast can be found in the show notes below. This podcast is not intended to diagnose or treat any individual case. Please consult your veterinarian before adding to or modifying your pet's current treatment plan.